Good morning, this is Bryce Peterson, and this is episode 7, How to Melt an Ice Cube. Have you ever taken an ice cube, placed it on the table, and just watched it until it melted? I've never done that either. But one of the most impactful metaphors that I have come across in the last year or so is the story of the ice cube illustrated by James Clear in his extremely insightful book, Atomic Habits. And he discusses the idea of accomplishing something, of not shockingly how to develop a new habit. It's really quite fascinating. He points out that when you first have an ice cube, if you're in a cold room and you were to set it on the table, you might try and warm up that room. Let's, let's say it's like minus 15 degrees outside or you're in a room. So it's minus 15 in the room. You start a little fire and you introduce some kind of a heat source in there. And you heat it up 15, 20 degrees, you know, so now you're, you're hanging out just above zero. You're looking at the ice cube and nothing's happening. It feels like the work is just not producing any results. But you decide to keep going. You introduce some more heat into the room. You've, you've cranked it up about another 10, 15 degrees. And you're thinking, surely... This ice cube's going to start to melt. But it doesn't. But you don't have anything better to do. So you just keep introducing more heat. See what happens. You get it up to 30 degrees. And you're thinking, wow, I feel a lot better. It's a lot warmer in here than it was. But this ice cube, it's still not going anywhere. And you finally manage to get it to that 32 degree mark. Then all of a sudden, something starts to change. You get it just a couple degrees higher than that. And slowly but surely, you see this ice cube start to melt. You see, the ice cube was storing the energy of all the work that you were doing, trying so hard to produce an outcome and from what you could tell from the outside looking in with your your human abilities to perceive the situation it didn't appear that anything was happening and yet it was the ice cube was storing your work it was storing your energy and you didn't know how long it was going to take but eventually the ice cube was able to melt. And this is this is applicable in any situation in life. You're dealing with an ice cube and you don't know exactly how much effort it's going to take to produce the outcome that you're after. But the initiative, the the project as a whole 
is going to store that energy and just keep that in mind as you move through whatever you're doing, knowing that you may not have all the answers all at once, but just keep going, keep trying, keep putting in your effort, and you'll be able to see the outcome eventually. And I think about this, I think about this in a few different ways. We all have something that we're trying to accomplish. We all have an ice cube and there's probably one or two of those things that are readily on our mind that we're trying to trying to work through and wondering if if this effort is is actually worth it. And sometimes there's ice cubes that we're not acknowledging. We're turning our head from them or focusing on other things. Well, I've spent a good deal of time reflecting, as I'm sure many of us have, about becoming the person that I'm supposed to become in one way or another. When I'm really trying to be thoughtful about this, I'll involve God in the process, which is always so much better. Because you can melt, melt an ice cube pretty fast if you have the right heat source. It doesn't have to take a long time. I recently feel like I had an, one of those aha moments that really, that really spoke to what can speed this process up and at least make it the most meaningful. There was a, I was thinking about miracles and what it takes to produce a miracle and what is a miracle and as i as i was reflecting on this there was a simple mathematical equation that that came into my mind and it was humility multiplied by effort equals miracles and i felt like okay i i think i've landed on something here after a few weeks of of reflecting on this, I dug a little bit deeper and I was like, well, I believe this to be true, but why is this true? And I realized that could it be that humility multiplied by effort equals sincerity? Sincerity really is the magic ingredient or the cosmic keyhole, if you will, that allows us to really tap in to the mind of God, if you will, or to access, access more of, more of his help, more of his inspiration, more of his revelation. This is what can really ramp up our heat source to melt this ice cube. We're told in the scriptures, the savior says, I require the heart and a willing mind. And I think it's easy for us to allow things to get in our way. We have so many different thoughts about our past. We also know that God is the, the great intelligence in the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing. And because of this, 
I feel like we imagine it to be rather difficult to get his help. We, we perceive this as a complicated approach. It, it really isn't. We don't have to have a stellar track record. I believe we allow our past decisions and yeah, essentially our, our past mistakes, past decisions to get in the way of us being able to approach God with a sincere heart. We think we have to have a really great track record. We sometimes think to ourselves, well, I've been kind of a screw up in the past, so I'm not sure this is even, there's any even real any point to this, you know, of asking God for help. But it just doesn't work like that. So consider, consider the scripture in, in Moroni chapter 10 verse 4, where we're being told how to find out if the Book of Mormon is true. And if ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. Sincere heart, real intent. What makes you sincere? What makes a person sincere? My wife really likes to ask this question. She loves to ask, do you really want to do that? Usually it's about some kind of an errand that, that needs to happen. Like we need to run to the store, or go fill up the gas tank for something and we're talking about how it needs to be done, and I'll, I'll say, hey, I'll, I'll go take care of that. And she always wants to ask, do you really want to do that? <laughs> I'll admit, there are plenty of times when I respond like, what does it really matter whether I really want to do that or not? Because... We have to go do it, so I'm just going to go do it. I don't want to think about whether or not I really want to do that or not. Ultimately, deep down, the natural man inside of me doesn't want to do anything. I never want to go to the store. I never want to go fill up the gas tank. I may never want to take a shower, for crying out loud. All this stuff takes work, but again... We have the opportunity to rise above that, that natural person inside of us that really just wants to be efficient and not take the time to do anything unless it's absolutely necessary. That's our brain wanting to be efficient and conserve energy because for a long, long time in the history of the world, that was needed because energy, well, you didn't always know when you were going to get more. Food wasn't always abundant. So sincerity, think about, you could probably off the top of your head, think about a fair number of individuals that we can read about in the scriptures that didn't really have a great track record with, let's call it doing the right thing or being in, you know, being in God's corner or allowing him to be in their corner. One of the first ones that comes to mind is King Lamoni. He has this Nephite, Ammon, come into his land. You know, we all know the conflict that came and went 
pretty much a common theme in the Book of Mormon. Nephites and the Lamanites not getting along. King Lamoni observed some remarkable behavior out of Ammon. And being an extremely dedicated servant to him, doing remarkable things with defending his flocks and you know, cutting off arms. It's it's all the, the kind of thing that a a young man loves to read about in the scriptures. Wow, look at all that. Swords, blood, a hero against unthinkable odds, accomplishing remarkable feats. It just makes you feel amazing. Could I do that? We don't know exactly how long Ammon was a servant of King Lamoni before the whole arm removal incident. You get the impression that it all kind of happened once the once the king learns about this incident and invites Ammon to come and speak with him. You get the impression that this all kind of happens in an afternoon almost, it seems. And they get into a discussion and... King Lamoni wants to know by what power he's able to accomplish these things because he's just so stunned by it. You know, Ammon's talking him through it, asking him some questions, and and King Lamoni's like, "Yes, I'll believe whatever you tell me, if you if you can explain to me how you're doing this." Ultimately, King Lamoni is invited by Ammon to pray to this God who King Lamoni is just learning about pray to him and king lamoni is very conflicted about his past he's ordered many of his prior servants to be killed for failing to protect his flocks and perhaps various other reasons and maybe even has some other things on his mind of things that he's done that is wondering maybe that was maybe i shouldn't have done that who knows we all do but he has an amazing experience he wants to know if god truly is there and he has a profound experience he collapses he sees and speaks with his redeemer jesus christ and and wakes up and and testifies to this fact if it was necessary for an extremely long track record in order to have this kind of experience then this would not have happened if he truly didn't want to know the reality, and such an important reality to, to know of, God would not have given this to him. If he truly didn't want to know, King Lamoni was exhibiting great humility and great effort, and his sincerity was intense enough and true enough and pure enough that this outcome occurred that we get to learn about. Alma the Younger, long track record of knowing about Christ, knowing about the gospel. His father was the prophet in the area, but he deliberately defied it and wanted to destroy the church. Very poisonous behavior. The angel appears to really interrupt his pattern of thinking, so he collapses but after a few days of being unconscious, he arrives at that moment of sincerity where he truly is, he's essentially in a desperate condition, but he, he is at the depths of his humility at this point and reaching out. Is there, oh, what about, I have heard my father talk about this Christ. What, 
if he really can help me. And as soon as he has that thought, as soon as he has the thought, his pains are dissolved. And he comes to know that, yes, this Christ, whom the prophets testified would come into the world, is real, and he delivers on his promise to redeem the individuals with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. I did a pretty fascinating scripture scripture study over the course of a few months, and I was evaluating how many times certain words were appearing in the in the in the Book of Mormon. Of course, I really wasn't quite sure what I was going to find. There's a particular word that stands out more than any other, and it might surprise you. It's the word heart. The word heart appears 430 times in the Book of Mormon. Just to compare other words, the word worship, 44. Charity, 20 times. Repent, 332 times. Christ, 336 times. Christ has many titles, so adding all of his titles up, I don't know what that number is, but this is just to give some perspective. The word justice, 69 times. Forgive, 17 times. Miracle, 46. Remember, 168 times. Pray, 38 times. Redeem, or redemption, 143 times. Hope, 55 times. Love, 65 times. Faith, 258 times. Atonement, 36 times. There's really no other word in the Book of Mormon that compares to the word heart. Far and away exceeds any other word in the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon is a testament that our hearts are the true battleground in this world. It is about your heart. Where is your heart? Where are we in our hearts? God said to Adam, Where art thou? Where art thou? Where is your heart? You do have one. I have one. We do have a heart. There's no getting around that. If humility multiplied by effort equals the magnitude of our sincerity about something, I invite us to use that to find out the truth about who the Savior is and what he is ready and willing to do for us. We have to invite him into our lives. He does not force himself in. He does not break your windows and force himself into your life. He does not use compulsory means to accomplish his ends. Goodness flows through him and from him. He allows us the choice to be truly, truly thoughtful and truly want his help. The equation can be changed if humility multiplied by effort equals your sincerity and produces miracles. And what's the opposite of humility? Hubris or pride. If you replace 
humility with pride, and the Book of Mormon is all about this too, the pride cycle as we know, pride multiplied by effort equals destruction. The Jaredite nation was completely annihilated by pride. Do we see the end game here? Put all your effort into being prideful, into getting revenge, into satisfying your own carnal desires, and to persist in this way. Destruction is the only outcome. The adversary has no interest in uniting us. No interest whatsoever. He wants to watch us destroy ourselves, and he laughs and his angels rejoice. He is laughing at us. He thinks it's funny when we do things to destroy our lives. We cannot, we cannot allow this to happen. We need to wake up, evaluate our lives, evaluate our thoughts, and see where are we at? Where is our heart? Where are our intentions? When will we wake up and realize where we are and where we're heading and the outcomes that we're producing. When will we realize that it is our responsibility to direct things and to rely on God for that direction? It all starts with our thoughts. It makes me think about in the Lord of the Rings movies, the ring, such a small thing. We know the ring's evil, but I'm just using it for this comparison. It is altogether evil, right? The ring. Thoughts. Such a small thing, right? Oh, it's just a thought. We know it's much more powerful than that. Let's not forget. To share my own experience with sincerity. The the temperature of my ice cube, you know, I I would say when it comes to my testimony started to get a little bit cold some years ago. Just little by little, just sort of fell out of the habit of reading the Book of Mormon or any scriptures for that matter on a regular basis. I went to church every other week due to my work schedule. That may have contributed, but really I just felt like, you know, things seem pretty good and it's a little too easy to just relax and casualize your your spiritual practice, if you will. I got to the point where I was more often and more often entertaining the idea that, you know what, maybe there is no Jesus. I mean, maybe it's just like a long-standing tradition in the world. You know, maybe it's just, I mean, humans are kind of in a desperate situation. It's, it's quite sensible that we'd come up with, oh, there's got to be something more. And it's harboring a lot of doubts, you know, and, and not really being sincere in my ap approach about things. Just more like, yeah, that's probably wrong. I've probably been fooled all my life, you know. Yeah, I went on a mission and and taught this stuff and felt good about it then. But, you know, I was young and impressionable. And Joseph Smith, yeah, he, maybe he wasn't trying to fool anybody like some people think, but it, maybe he was just confused, you know. Maybe he was like, maybe he was mentally ill or something. Like, who knows? I mean, we know that happens. It wouldn't have been the first time. Just just having these kinds of thing, thoughts. Again, there it is. These are thoughts, okay? 
these are all thoughts and they, they create certain emotions because they have a certain intention behind them, certain meaning behind them. So I was driving in the car one day to go to the train so I could go to work. We were living in Lehigh at the time. And I wasn't sure how we were going to be able to pay all the things that we needed to pay at this time. I just um, was no longer getting the overtime in my job that I had been getting. It It just sort of went away all of a sudden. And I'd been quite, we'd been quite accustomed to that. I was saying a prayer, which I wasn't real great at at the time. Hadn't spent a lot of time doing that for a while, years really. I said, hey, God, I, I'd really like to be able to, to do everything, pay everything that we need to pay, and I'd, I'd really love to pay the tithing too, honestly. I would, but I, I, just, I just don't know how it's going to work out. This was about midweek, and we had been recently been asked to give a talk in church, which was coming up this, this, this coming Sunday, and, or the following Sunday, I should say. And when asked to give the talk, you know, I pretty much for about five years, I'd just been kind of coasting church-wise. Like, I was relatively certain in my, in my thinking that, you know, the church was just a worldly organization, and I was more of an agnostic about things at that point. It didn't make sense to fully disengage from the church because I felt like culturally that really wasn't a necessary thing to do to my kids but that's kind of where I was at at this point but I, I said this prayer and it, it was a sincere prayer and then didn't think much of it um, but we were going to be given a talk that following Sunday and we got to pick the conference talk and I just happened to have listened to a couple of conference talks one of them was about the Book of Mormon and I thought you know that was a pretty good talk so I was preparing for this talk, and I thought, you know, if I'm going to prepare for this talk, I probably ought to read the Book of Mormon again or start reading it because it's been a long time since I've really done much of that. So that week I'd been listening to it on the train and, you know, just on the way in and on the way out, and it was really a fascinating experience because I'd forgotten about a lot of key characters it had been so long since I read the Book of Mormon at that point in my life that I had forgotten about Samuel the Lamanite. I had forgotten about Captain Moroni. I had forgotten about Abinadi. I had forgotten about Enos. This was extremely eye-opening to me. These were individuals that I had thought of often in prior years and gained inspiration from. I had completely forgotten about these people so I gave the talk that Sunday that evening going to bed I was like well I've been enjoying listening to the Book of Mormon I I'm gonna go ahead and keep listening and I woke up in the middle of the night I don't know what time it was maybe maybe it was around four early morning and I was still listening to it you know I still had the headphones in my ears and then it was in the part of the Book of Mormon where the Savior is visiting the land bountiful after he's resurrected. And he is quoting the Book of Malachi about tithing. Will I not open the heavens and pour out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it? I've read this scripture so many times in my life, but in this moment, 
I felt such a powerful manifestation that it's very difficult to describe the experience. It was essentially like if like like the sun, if you will, the bright sun outside. If you on a on a hot sunny day, if all of a sudden you're sitting in your front room and then all of a sudden the walls were gone and you're exposed to the sun and it hits you all of a sudden at once and you can just feel the, the warmth of that enveloping you instantly and you you know it's coming from the outside a force a power from the outside of you coming at you that's what it was like and it was just this overwhelming peace i could i knew it was from the savior and essentially the message to me was you can trust me you can trust me you can you can you can always trust me i will never let you down my promises are real i am real this was such a profound experience to me and it wasn't about the tithing it was about everything it was about everything you can trust me about everything i don't care about your money do you think i can do you really think i as god need that i need your heart i just sensed everything made so much sense in that moment i would describe it also like this if you were to be in a dark room and the lights were off for some reason and all you really had to do to learn about your environment was to slowly, painstakingly, stepping cautiously around the room, using your hands, you know, feeling your environment. Okay, that's there. Oh, this is a vase. And you put your hand inside the vase. Oh, there's something down there, some dry stuff. Oh, maybe that's dirt, you know. Oh, there's a picture on the wall, but you don't really know what's on the picture, but you know it seems to be a picture there hanging and you do this for years walking around in the dark trying to do your best you're doing a great job you're documenting all this you have a pretty good idea of what's in here but you know you, you haven't gotten to everything this is what i've been doing for about five years in in my life in in a way of speaking about trying to understand the world around me understand the nature of reality and when this experience took place for me it was like the lights turned on all of a sudden and all in an instant i could see the room i was in i could see what the pictures were hanging on the wall where before i knew there was a picture but i don't know what was in the picture i could see the colors and then i could see all the other items in the room that I hadn't been able to encounter before, all in an instant I could look around the room and see it all. That's another way that I would describe this experience. This would not have happened in the absence of sincerity. If we truly want to know anything, it will be revealed to us by the power of the Holy Ghost. If we have a sincere heart, and real intent we will know you are a divine child of god i know you are
I know I am, and he will respond to our sincerity. And the adversary will, if we let him laugh at us as we destroy ourselves, if we want to engage with pride and pursuing our own vain ambitions and satisfying our own lusts and put our effort into those things, let's take the road that leads to peace and unity and building ourselves and others around us up. We all have ice cubes, things that we're trying to accomplish, things that we're trying to overcome. They do store the energy. The universe acknowledges us and it responds in kind to the magnitude of our sincerity. What do we really want? Our heart is where it all gets determined. And that's it for now.